right? Newsletter. Oh, so there you go. Substack. StevenSersky.substack.com. Check it out. This one is out. Automation. Is it worth it or am I just distracting myself? Chinese listening continues. Two hours is getting easier to fit in. And are we finally seeing a turnaround in Chinese stocks and in oil? Folks, Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024. I'm Stephen Sersky. I've, I've have a Canadian expat here in Beijing, China. I've been having trouble saying that all day. January 23rd, 2024. And uh, tomorrow, January 24th, 2024. How long does it take you to actually say without flinching the year? And I know... A lot of, I, I'm not sure if anybody else sort of thinks this or anything, uh, but it's like, okay, new year, got to say it the right way, got to do it this way. And you, you sort of make it a point to, um, you know, be precise in the year so you don't make that mistake. And then it always happens anyway. It takes about a month, about two months, six weeks or so to, to sort of uh, make saying the year 2024 natural. Use it for the next 12 months, and then next year comes along. Uh, I can't believe it's already like three weeks into the, the new year and everything. It's uh, And I, the reason I'm surprised is because I actually made a couple of rough drafts for my uh, language vlog. Uh, and I uh, haven't touched them since. That was like two weeks ago. So, yeah, looking at time fly by. There's been a lot going on. It's been good. I'm not going to lie. I've uh, still been busy, even though... Uh, I had uh, a couple of days off last week, uh, still very busy, had to get a bunch of other things done that I couldn't get done if, matter of fact, no, the stuff I was getting done on my day off were the things that I normally can't get done if I got to work all day as well. So yeah, time is flying by again, always, right? They say that life uh, speeds up after 40. I hope not because uh, I'm, I'm over 40. And I just feel, I feel like I'm only getting started in so many things uh, that I, I'm doing, like the social media stuff, uh, music production, even filmmaking stuff. Like it's, it's all, and even living overseas, I kind of wonder, you know, I mean, I've been stuck in China for the last five years. Do I even want to travel anymore? Do I, sometimes I do wonder, because if I get up early in the morning or if I'm going to bed late or I have to go, not that I travel very much in China. Uh, but I kind of remember the times where I would arrive at a destination at some odd hour in the morning and just not know what's going on, wouldn't know the local language, uh, maybe not even have the local currency. And I kind of think of that. And there's two things I think about. Uh, number one, I'm going, why would I ever want to be in that situation again? And number two, that there must have been some foreigner, some expat, doesn't have to be a white guy, it could be any any non local, someone who wasn't born there, who would move there, they're probably walking outside, they're probably doing, there's probably somewhere, someone from uh, outside of the country who's living in that city, in that place, and just walking around, chilling out, doing their thing, you know, their daily routine. Meanwhile, there's a guy getting dropped off at the bus station who has no clue what's going on, and is probably, uh, and is thinking that everyone's trying to rip him off, which isn't always inaccurate in a lot of travel situations. <clears throat> Newsletter. Out. So this is the uh, this one is titled "A Banking Fiasco," and yes, is all about this uh, debacle that uh, I had with uh, Sky Remit. I, I'm hmm, the manager contacted me today. I haven't gotten back to her because I'm like, 
I don't want to deal with this at the moment. Not only that, I get a message from MasterCard saying, oh, your payment's due. I'm like, this, this is why I was so upset because, and like my credit score is getting dinged in Canada because I wasn't able to shift funds in time, even though I left what would seem to have been enough time for it to happen. Now, apparently it wasn't enough time because even with the three-week delay, I guess maybe I could have done the, the transfer on Sunday or something, but it's, you know, you got to be organized for this stuff. Good, Yeah, all, all well and good to say when it's done, but uh, uh, when you are sort of living life in the moment and going forward instead of you can't live it backwards. It's kind of difficult to sort of make sure you you are always on point. Uh, but uh, that being said, uh, so this uh, this newsletter, uh, which is available on Substack, and you search my name there, stevensersky.substack.com, uh, and you can sign up for the newsletter. It's free. I send it out. I try to do one every week. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Sometimes it happens every two weeks. And apparently I took a couple of weeks off from uh, uh, writing in December. Uh, but... You know, again, with the whole idea of it, it was a time off, but I was so concerned about writing it. I, it wasn't a conscious time off. It was a, hey, look at two weeks has passed. I guess I'm taking time off. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I do have a few more in the works. And actually, one other thing I'm trying to do is uh, create a little bit more of a, um, not so much a workflow, but a, a, an idea bank. I have lots of ideas for articles anyway. The problem is, is sitting down to write them or... Uh, when I do write them, are they what I intend them to be rather than what are they? Because sometimes the first draft, I I might write it and think, oh, man, this, this, this is just gold. I mean, people are going to lap this up. Then I read it back later on and it's like, it's garbage. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I don't even want to read that shit again. So uh, I do have to make sure that I, I do some editing before I send these things out. So if you ever if you ever see any errors with it. Uh, errors in the uh, newsletters. That's even after I've edited them. I could probably edit them one more time, but after that, because if you're still constructing the story or the article after the second go through, maybe you should just not either simplify the thing completely or start again or put it away and come back to it at another time and write something else. That's that's sort of something that I've found over uh, over time. Uh, but yeah, Substack.com is where you can check out the. Uh, latest newsletter automation is it worth it or is it just a distraction so <laughs> in addition to uh fi- finishing up the newsletter uh, today after work i was um i went down the rabbit hole of oh, i'll just watch one video on automation <laughs> one hour later still watching videos on automation the uh, so there's three different programs that i'm sort of looking at to try to make my life easier and i'm not sure if they're actually going to make my life easier because Although they sort of boast no code, trying to get them to work has has been almost as frustrating as trying to get Python to work a couple of years ago when I was trying to learn how to program uh, with that language. Uh, Automator, Keyboard Maestro, and Shortcuts. So uh, Automator and Shortcuts are free automation programs that no code automation programs that uh, are bundled with every Mac product, basically. And there's support automator is the old version and uh, shortcuts is the uh, the newer version, but trying to get them to work and there's no there's no real documentation on how to actually use these things put out by Apple, so you're sort of at the uh, the mercy of 
Do you know how to construct these things on your own? Or are you smart enough to go to YouTube and dig through the hours of videos that will show you? And a lot of people will show you like, oh, three simple shortcuts. But then there's like 50 videos about those three simple shortcuts. You're going, those three simple shortcuts are a great beginning. I need something different. I need something a little bit more. And so that that's where it becomes an issue to, uh, to learn these uh, automation shortcuts and stuff like that. Uh, even with Automator, I mean, I was talking before last week about uh, using uh, hotkeys and triggers and stuff like that. So I've gotten to work for parts of it. I was watching one video about uh, Keyboard Maestro. Uh, and I know I've talked about trying to automate more of my audio editing and video editing um, before. The... Uh, Apparently, you can program autom- not automator, keyboard maestro to be application dependent, application specific, sorry, application specific, so that when you open this program or you switch to another program, you can have the same uh, shortcut keys, but they will do different things in the uh, in each program. So with Logic Pro uh, or Final Cut Pro or something like that, I mean, you can have the same sort of function. Uh, you know, shift function F1, that that keystroke combination could be used in both Final Cut and in Logic, but they would trigger different things uh, uh, as a result of having Keyboard Maestro open. But all of this, like in all this effort to save time, are you saving time? Because you're spending a lot of time researching how to automate everything. Now, to be honest, um, I've never really done a lot of automation before. Uh, I think it's actually a lot easier now than it was before, uh, given that uh, the accessibility of these programs uh, and the breadth or the depth of knowledge that's available on places like YouTube and other, not so much podcasts, but you don't have to, with YouTube, it's even better than trying to Google stuff because the, the Google forms or like a, any forms or Google search results, they may or may they may be out of date typically, and you still have to figure out um, what they sort of mean, what whether or not the functions can actually still work. Now, of course, that's the same thing with YouTube, but YouTube's algorithm is a little bit better in uh, keeping things up to date. They're usually within the last year or so. Whereas if you Google how to make a shortcut or how to use Automator, you might get a post from like ten years ago and. It may or may not work. Usually, it doesn't. Uh, I know. I know there's some people. Uh, this is one guy who uses Apple Script or Shell Script quite a bit to, um, you know, enhance Automator workflows and other bits. Seems like a great idea, but again, you have to know how to code. You have to know how to. Um, if if you don't know how to code, you have to look. You have to know where and how to look up the information, the code that you need to piece together and to make it actually work. And if it throws an error or if it doesn't work, you have to be able to understand, wait a minute, what else could I change? What could I tinker with to make it work? And it just becomes, you know, for what it's worth, I could have just done the job myself uh, by this point. So uh, there are a few things that like for renaming, uh, I want to be able to upload or I want, I was talking about uh, doing markup on my photos and stuff like that. These are all things that, um, I would love to have available, but spending an hour or even half an hour looking at it and still not getting anything done, it's like, but by the time I get the shortcut running, 
how long will I be able to use it before the system changes and the shortcut breaks? <laughs> That's how I sort of look at it as well. It's about, about probably about a year, maybe two years. Like I don't know any workflow that I've been using for more than six months, uh, maybe a couple months. So uh, hopefully it, it's, it stays that way. So I don't have to, like if I ever left the Apple environment, then how would I automate anything on Windows? I'd have to learn something like Python or I'm sure Windows has a, um, uh, or Linux, uh, they have their own sort of automation software, but you got to learn more of that stuff. Actually, I think Keyboard Maestro actually works on Linux, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember. So there's a couple of them that are open source and they're uh, cross-platform. So if you learn one, you can uh, sort of apply it to both, which is, I guess, one of the benefits of learning programs such as Keyboard Maestro and not the benefit of learning something like Automator or Shortcuts, which is very much uh, Mac-dependent. Chinese listening continues. So two hours is getting a little bit easier for those of you who are uh, just joining in. Uh, I'm doing this sort of a uh, challenge to do as much listening in the Chinese language uh, until January 31st. So it's called, it's put on by the guy who uh, runs hackingchinese.com. And uh, his goal was to do five hours of Chinese listening today. I'm not sure if I could do that, but you know, this is where uh, the voice of David Goggins comes into vo uh, into mind. You're kind of like, the only reason why you're not listening to five hours of Chinese is because you're not listening to five hours of Chinese. Get it done, son. I don't think he calls people son, but uh, and you sort of start wondering, where could I fit all of this stuff in? Like, how do you find the time? There's only so much time. And I think the probably the most sort of, um, the, the hardest part to sort of, deal with is unless you're listening to the Chinese language as a means of learning what the content rather than learning the language doing this sort of extensive listening five hours of extensive listening how much of it is actually worth it I guess and this is uh, and I've fought this for a long time where's that tipping point of uh, li doing listening exercises or listening to a lot of stuff, a lot of materials in a language that you're going, I don't really understand what they're saying anyway. I, mean, I pick up bits and pieces, but I don't understand 100%. And if I don't un understand even 70% of what they're talking about, is my time better spent listening to an English podcast where I would actually get something out of it? And I speak mostly about um, these financial podcasts that I would listen to. So the and even then, with financial podcasts or YouTube, right? This is a this is a very good case in point here. Watching YouTube, you sure I could watch how to do automation in Chinese, but then I literally wouldn't. Under, other than watching the video, at, which is going to be in English, but the, if the voice is in Chinese, it's I need to understand what's going on. I need to more. I need more details. I need to understand the concept better of what they're talking about in terms of automation. How, I guess, looking at it that way, if I'm studying automation or I'm looking at uh, automation on YouTube, is that the same as taking a university course in my target language? No, I couldn't. I mean, it's it wouldn't be possible. So, uh, where where do you draw the line of doing your extensive listening for hours on end, five hours, six hours? But are you actually? learning anything? Are you getting anything from that five or six hours? 
or is it just noise in the background? Uh, I mean, I, I don't listen to many English podcasts, to, to be very honest. I think I listen to maybe, I think I've recently introduced one or two new podcasts to my rotation, to my routine. And I don't, I don't like download them. This is like only if, uh, Apple Podcasts works, which is a horribly slow program. Bloody well hate it. I would rather download the MP3 and then listen to, listen to it on my device, waiting for Apple uh, Podcasts to, to start. Ugh, patience testing, again, I tell you. It's even worse because you just don't know if it's loading or if it's like, is it the assisted connection device uh, problem or is it the internet or is it Apple Podcast? It's Apple Podcasts. The thing is horribly slow. iTunes is horribly slow. Horrible, clunky, terrible, bloody software. <laughs> Stephen, you sound like such a cheerful, cheerful man, don't you? Uh, so yeah, going listening to, uh, for uh, Chinese, uh, two Chinese for that much, for that long, each and every day, two, three hours, it's getting easier to find the time. My morning walk, I've started listening to Chinese. I don't usually like doing that because I, since I wear a headset all day, I don't really like having earphones in my ears that early. I'd rather have nothing and silence. I mean... I'll listen to the the radio just playing from my phone, but then yeah, literally I am like one of those old guys who blasts the radio from his pocket while walking, and you, you know the people you're like, why you get a pair of headphones? I'm that guy because in the morning I don't want that stuff in my ears. I'd rather be I'd rather have it a little bit far away, um, not so close. Later on in the day, okay, not a problem, but first thing in the morning, uh, yeah bothersome I tell you trying to fit in some uh, listening I mean I still do listening during my stretches in the morning and so you know morning routine up until uh, work starts basically so it is easier and I've sort of gotten away from just the Chinese lesson materials like the HSK5 lesson materials um, I used to listen to those now I'm just sort of listening to whatever podcasts I can find uh, on uh, Apple podcasts if they load properly and if they are of a decent length like 25 minutes okay i'd prefer an hour uh, i've been listening to this uh these three I, i'm not sure if they're i get they must be university students in the united states uh but da bo fu bu fu da bo fu uh this is the uh the this trio of girls they only have three episodes that uh, they've been talking about uh, kinks and stuff like that <laughs> i thought it was kind of funny because i didn't really understand what i was listening to until i mean well, they said a few words and i was like oh okay that's Interesting. Interesting, I guess. But I mean, what, how am I going to action on this information, right? Again, extensive listening, uh, Chinese language practice, but do I need to listen to some of this stuff? You might ask yourself, Stephen, uh, how, how useful is every single word in your podcast? Oh, oh, snap, or your newsletter. I know, I get you. Quality, you do need quality. And I... I was thinking about my own podcast. This sort of makes me reflect a little bit. And uh, if anything, I would say that my podcast, although not for everybody, and I don't intend it for it to be for everybody, is relatable. People can relate to what I'm going through since I am an expat in China. And even if you're not an expat in China, there are no doubt things that if you are an expat, you experience, you're like, yeah, we have the same thing here. Or if you've never been an expat, these are some of the things that you might wonder, hey, I wonder how people deal with banking or dealing with situations where they land in a city at six o'clock in the morning and they have nowhere, 
no idea where to go. Like, how do they deal with that situation? That's that's where I sort of think the value is in my podcast. Plus, I think this podcast makes you 15% better. <laughs> Are we finally seeing a turnaround in Chinese stocks and in oil? So this may, I don't think this is hopeful speak. Uh, I noticed that there's one stock that I follow, Tonghua Xun. Uh, it's a, a securities trading platform or company. And it got crushed in the last couple of days. Like we're talking poof, down lots. And it doesn't look like it, you could, history will tell whether or not this is one way or another, which is the only way to actually know whether or not a price move is accurate. If your interpretation was accurate is to look back at it in like another three months sort of thing. Um, is it capitulation where I've talked about before people are selling it because they can't hold on to this thing anymore. They're just disgusted. Or is it a, what we call it, uh, a falling knife. Don't try to catch a falling knife. Capitulation, typically short-term thing. You see a massive sell-off and then it bounces back. Catching a falling knife, like when a falling knife happens in the stock market, that's where the, the stock just goes from whatever price it was today and it just keeps on dropping, limit down, limit down. Uh, so in China, this stock has a limit down of 15%, minus 15%. So if it drops 15%, they'll stop trading or the price will stop moving anyway. Uh, and, and things like that. So is that what we're seeing? Or are we seeing a bit of a, a turnaround here where it's like a bottom, it's a, a sort of a flush. And what could be one of the sort of drivers of that capitulation or apparent sell-off is that the big money, the, the big money managers are putting in bids and going, that's the price you want to buy. And anybody who's looking to sell at market at that time, they'll just take all those stocks, all those shares off hands. And that's where you see the big volume. I don't know for sure. Uh, I, I don't play big monies. I'm not in the big money. I am very much of the opposite spectrum of the, the money holders and the market participants. Um, but uh, I'm seeing, I've been t I also talked about uh, the FXI or the YINN, these two ETFs that trade in the United States. Those have been falling uh, for the last couple, like, well, they've been falling for like six months, eight months, nine months. But looking at it, the amount of volume that's happening, the price point that it's at, this is where it was back in 2022 or 2021. It was the last time it was this low it then tripled or quadrupled from where it was basically. So it's almost like um, the, the oil stocks, the Canadian oil stocks in December where you're looking at going, Oh my goodness, I can't believe these things are sold off so much. I mean, why, first of all, why is it not being talked about? Why uh, it's not even scary. It's like almost exciting to see prices, to see companies that, you know, aren't going to disappear anytime soon. They're at prices that you're going, really? Why? Even if it doesn't work out, I'd like to try my my hand at it. I'll buy 100 shares sort of thing. And so, I mean, talked about precision drilling before and tourmaline oil. Um, but you see all those sort of bottom in December. And I, I said, oil typically does a double dip. It goes, uh, December, you'll see a, a drop. And then again in January. And typically it's towards the end of January. Well, we're in that point. We are at that sort of end of January oil bottoming situation. So I kind of wonder if maybe in some way, I don't know why, I don't know how, oil, the price of oil, the movement of oil, these Canadian oil stocks and energy stocks and the Chinese stocks, these all might be seeing a bottom right now. 
and they might move up from the, from here. So especially with Spring Festival coming up, probably going to be some rumor mongering, but it's not going to be like rumors that are published. It's going to be rumors and you're going to see um, moves made in the stock market, both Chinese and foreign, before Spring Festival, because uh, for Spring Festival, the Chinese market's closed for a week. Um, and so you sort of, I always sort of wonder if people start talking a little bit and that's why things start moving up and they go, yeah, well, this policy and that and this, this is all going to happen. So might be a good time to get in before, you know, it's broadcast across the uh, United States mainstream media, which is when you start selling typically. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks available up on my website, stevenskirsky.com. And don't forget to check out skirskymusic.bandcamp.com, which is all the creative audio that you never knew you needed and is being updated song a day, January until the end of next week. Thanks for listening. We'll do this again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.